Welcome to Further Africa's Last Week, our weekly news roundup of the most read news over at furtherafrica.com. I'm Rafael Carvalho and today I'm once again joined by Emmanuel Chilampuma. In this episode, we'll be reviewing the top five articles on furtherafrica.com, published from August 3rd to August 9th. But before we move on, let me remind you that you can email us on lastweek at furtherafrica.com. We have already received a few emails, which is encouraging and very much appreciated. Interestingly, all listeners who wrote in commented on how important it is to have voices spreading the message of Africa's unique position in the current global landscape. So I'd like to thank everyone who dropped us a message, and I encourage you to tell us your story and help spread the word of African development. But now, let's move on to our top five. Okay, so Emmanuel, first of all, glad to have you back on board. The fifth most read news on our website was an article written by one of our newest collaborating authors, Mark Anthony Johnson. He's the founder and CEO of GIC Holdings, an international asset and investment management company with offices, investments and associates all over the world. This article in particular talks about an environmental initiative funded by the African Union called the Great Green Wall, which aims to build, quite literally, a green wall of ecological systems and agricultural projects to bring rural, sustainable development to the areas and countries it encompasses. That is, the whole length of Africa from east to west. Emmanuel, what can you add here? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I, I find this article quite interesting, mainly because they have identified um, some challenges that the local communities in these countries are facing. And I feel like climate change has really had an impact on most communities, especially those countries that actually heavily rely on agriculture um, for their survival. So, you know, the, the, the fact that they have now actually decided to bring some idea into play um, in order to actually benefit these people, this could actually result in being able to actually, you know, resolve some of these issues. Like I said earlier, you know, the droughts, food insecurity. So this is something that could actually transform the region itself. Agreed. And yet another aspect that I forgot to mention about this whole initiative is that in 2018, the Saharan desert was found to have grown 10% over the last century. So there is, of course, a growing concern of desertification in that area, in that region, which this initiative aims to tackle. Our fourth most read news is our interview with Mozambique's finance minister, Mr. Adriano Malayane. I don't have much to say about this one, Emmanuel, as we have covered this in our previous episode where it was our number one news for that week. If you're new to our podcast, I recommend you check our second episode where we go more in-depth about the interview we conducted with Mr. Maliani. However, Emmanuel, since you were not in that episode, I was joined by Lucas Continentino for that one. Would you like to comment on the interview? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I find uh, this interview to be very interesting and very insightful you know looking at where the country um has come from um in terms of um its economy or its um, finances to actually try to 
refocus or to try and rechange um, the, the status um, of the local economy. And this has actually managed to attract a lot of investors um, to come into the country. And, you know, it feels as if there is now um, a stronger collaboration from the government and um, the, the, the private sector, which is something that I totally believe um, is necessary um, in order for an, in, um, an economy to move forward. Perfect. And it's great to see that this still ranks as one of the most read news in our website. All right. So our number three is an article written by you, Emmanuel. And uh, yes. yeah, very good. So it's about agri-tech and its role in presenting agriculture as the go-to investment sector in Mozambique as the country capitalizes on natural gas projects and mining revenues, which are being invested in infrastructure developments, beneficial to the entire agricultural value chain. So, Emmanuel, as you are the author of this one, please share your insight with us, if you please. Yeah, sure. So, you know, we're both aware that Mozambique is um, a country which heavily depends on its um, agriculture sector. Um, right. Not only for food, um, but also um, to trade with other countries. But then we were also finding out that uh, because of the drought um, and the severe weather conditions that often um, affect farming activities in the country, um, most of the food was now being imported into the country. So, you know, the, 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 the purpose of this article was to actually try to encourage um, the use of uh, technology um, in agriculture in Mozambique, first of all. And then the second part of it, considering all the um, other um, uh, ventures uh, that are taking off at the moment, um, particularly in the, with, the, with the LNG project, um, I strongly believe that this will also be the right time to ensure that, um, you know, the, um, the, the, the local people take advantage of the current situation in the country, as in the actual developments taking place in the country. Um, because, you know, the, the government has also actually been working on trying to diversify the economy. Um, and, you know, this will be the best time uh, to ensure that, you know, technology is actually employed in the right way um, to actually benefit the local farmers, um, you know, allowing them to actually access markets allowing them to um you know share or gather more knowledge um about their farming activities in order to obviously improve how they farm and you know how to make sure that um, agriculture actually becomes sustainable in mozambique for many smallholder farmers Our second most read news is about Bank of Angola's recent publication of a notice containing new rules for foreign exchange transactions, uh, among which the requirement that all foreign employees working in the country must now open a bank account in a financial institution based in Angola so that they receive their work incomes in the country. So Emmanuel, in our very first episode, I'm sure you remember we already discussed many signs of Angola's strong push for fiscal reforms the current government's attempts to have more control over its foreign currency exchange, Angola being heavily dependent on commodities prices. So do you think these measures help Angola in that regard? 
Uh, yes. So, you know, if we observe closely um, some of the measures taken by the government, uh, some of which have actually been very progressive, um, like we said um, the last time we had a discussion um, on Angola. And, um, you know, like in any other country, when someone is actually paid an income um, in a particular country, that income usually remains um, in that country. This is obviously to make sure that, uh, or to assist with um, actually um, growing the, the, the local economy. So, you know, I feel that uh, this is something, or this is actually, this is actually going to be beneficial um, in terms of actually, you know, generating um, income that can obviously be utilized by the government to continue with um, its plans uh, to transform uh, Angola and, and also just to make sure that uh, they're also able to actually maintain or yeah, to, to, to make sure that they maintain um, their, their um, foreign currency. And you know, this is, this is something that could actually work in, in the favor um, of the government. Our number one news this week was ExxonMobil announcing it would curtail or delay many of its marquee projects in order to protect its balance sheet and ensure they have the funds to pay dividends to their shareholders. When questioned whether this meant a strategical shift on the part of Exxon, their senior vice president, Neil Chapman, was co quoted as saying, I don't think it's a fundamental change, I think it's a response to the short-term environment. Also, according to Chapman, Exxon justifies this decision on the basis that 70% of the company's shareholders are retail investors. So, keeping that payout to shareholders is, quote, something we take really, really seriously, end quote. So, before you comment, Emmanuel, I'd like to point out that uh, as far as African interests go, the Rovuma LNG project in Mozambique, led by Exxon, uh, this one has not been cut from their plans at all. The final investment decision, the FID, has been postponed, but that's it. It's, it still remains on Exxon's plans. Uh, Emmanuel, what would you like to add here? Yeah, um, so, you know, I think um, it's been quite tough um, for Exxon um, and, you know, the fact that they are now making it their priority to make sure that um, they reduce um, or there is a reduction um, in their budgets, um, you know, considering obviously the the impact that um, COVID has had on oil prices. Um, and I'm pretty sure you are aware that, um, you know, oil prices at some point even dropped to around um, $11 per barrel. So, you know, um, for um, a company like Exxon, which heavily relies on this, um, this was obviously going to um, not only have an impact on the company's um, share price, but then also um, just the company's um, overall productivity. Um, and, you know, we can actually then see that, you know, this is actually before um, COVID, um, that uh, it's, its share price actually fell uh, to its lowest in nearly 15 years. Um, but you know, with, with the with the projects um, in Africa, uh, I strongly believe that they will continue to go ahead. Um, you know, they, they are obviously working on other projects in other places such as Brazil. Um, so I think for for the meantime, it's um, 
trying to ensure that they actually have enough um, cash flow um, on their books um, in order to then continue with um, the existing projects. But I very much doubt that um, they will completely um, abandon their plans in Mozambique. No, they certainly won't. The pre-works in Mozambique on their concession are moving forward according to schedule despite the crisis and COVID-19. Now it's only a matter of time until we find out when the FID will take place. Emmanuel, I would like to thank you for your time with us today. Well, thank you, Rafael. Um, as always, it's, uh, it's a pleasure speaking with you. And uh, thank you for, um, to all the listeners. And um, we hope to uh, talk again soon. And that's all for this third episode of Further Africa's Last Week. Please share, subscribe and review us on your favorite podcast platforms. Visit furtherafrica.com on our website or social media. Interact with us and you'll find me here next week. This is Rafael Carvalho signing off. Until next time.